What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here. It's time for another series preview as the Cardinals finally get to open up the season at home in St. Louis, assuming it doesn't snow, which apparently is a trend this year in baseball. But snow or no snow, the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to town, hopefully bringing some of that sunshine with them. But the Diamondbacks are coming off of a very successful season where they won 93 games and made it to the postseason for the first time since 2011. Then they ran into the buzzsaw that was the LA Dodgers last year, but still a lot to look forward to based on a returning core from last season. Now, if you're like me, there are a number of familiar faces associated with the Diamondbacks organization, but you don't really know a whole lot about what the Diamondbacks are bringing to the field in 2018. Not to worry, Jesse Friedman from the Rattle AZ podcast knows plenty to get you all filled in, and I'm thrilled to have him joining me today. So, Jesse, thanks for joining the show. Welcome to Birdseeds and to Cardinals Nation for a minute anyway. We're excited, <laughs> obviously, for the home opener, but we're also excited to welcome the Diamondbacks to town. So, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Tara. Now, last year for the Diamondbacks was very exciting, and it was a lot of fun, and it was, I, I don't know, was it more successful than you expected it to be going into the year? I think it was more successful than all of us uh, expected it to be, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, 93 wins is no small number. They made the playoffs, uh, especially coming off of a season uh, right before that where they won, they had the reverse record. They won uh, 69 games, they lost 93 games. Uh, so it was a huge turnaround. I think uh, for me personally, I had them winning uh, 81 games. I thought they would be uh, split right down the middle because I think there were a lot of things that went wrong uh, for them in 2016 that, that I, I thought were a little fluky. They had a lot of injuries. Uh, Zach Granke was not Zach Granke. Just a lot of, a lot of things happened in 2016. Um, but last year they showed that they can be uh, a legitimate force in the National League and, and they are off to a good start at 4-1 right now. So coming off of that successful year, winning 93 games, making a run in the playoffs, what did you want to see the Diamondbacks do in the offseason? Because a lot of times you come off of a season like that and you kind of think, well, they're still going to be good, but you always want to try to to get a little better, deal with some of the the uh, guys that leave and and replace those innings or those at bats. So, what were you looking for from the Diamondbacks heading into the year? They really didn't have a whole lot of holes uh, to fill over the off season. I think probably the biggest one was JD Martinez, uh, who joined the team at the trade deadline, had one of the most uh, unbelievable second halves of a season that you're ever going to see. At 29 home runs, it was unbelievable. Uh, so there was a big void there. Uh, the Diamondbacks brought on uh, Steven Souza in a trade with the Rays. Uh, they signed Gerard Dyson uh, as a free agent. So I think both of those moves patched that up uh, pretty well. Uh, other than that, I think it was really just Mike Hayes and kind of poking and prodding at different things. Uh, they replaced some of their bench pieces. Uh, their bullpen got maybe a little deeper. They brought in Brad Boxberger in a trade. Uh, they signed Yoshihisa Hirano. Uh, but all in all, this is really pretty much the same team uh, as a whole that we saw last season. And last year, they turned in 93 wins. So uh, fans of the Diamondbacks like me are, are looking for hopefully something similar here in 2018. Not a bad idea to try to keep the band together when things went so well. Right. In the spring, though, there are always some of these little 
position battles that might not seem like a big deal because it's the same names you've seen around. Was there any particular position battle that really seemed to be key for this team in sort of stabilizing what they had to bring to the table this year? I think the middle infield was probably the uh, the biggest positional battle that they had. It came down to three guys, uh, Nick Ahmed, Chris Owings, and Cattell Marte. Uh, it turned out they essentially have gone with Nick Ahmed as their everyday shortstop. Uh, I believe a couple years back, I remember hearing some Nick Ahmed to the Cardinals rumors. Uh, actually, I think that that passed through at one point, never turned into anything. Um, but he is an excellent defensive shortstop who uh, has never shown much with the bat. Uh, which if you look at the numbers right now, you would never get that impression because he's leading the Diamondbacks <laughs> in basically every category so far. Um, but he's their everyday shortstop, and at second base, uh, they have Cattell Marte as essentially their everyday second baseman. Uh, they just signed him to, a, I believe, a five-year contract extension. He's only uh, 23 or 24 years old. He's a very young guy. Um, so that was a big move for them, and I think they're showing that commitment uh, to him early on in this contract by making him uh, their everyday second baseman. Uh, Chris Owings, kind of the, the last guy in that trio, uh, didn't necessarily get an everyday starting job, but he's still getting a lot of playing time. Uh, he's very versatile. He can play uh, second base, shortstop, third base, uh, either of the corners. He's even played center field. So uh, he's kind of the super utility man uh, for the Diamondbacks this season. It's nice to have that flexibility and see how that can be utilized effectively. Now, I was actually listening to your podcast, The Rattle AZ, and I heard you say this line, and I thought it was great because uh, all offseason people were talking about the big names that hadn't gone anywhere. Um, and you said something to the effect of the Diamondbacks hadn't gone out to get the big names. They were instead bringing in all the players you've never heard of before. Right. <laughs> so who was the guy that you'd maybe never heard of before or, or didn't know a whole lot about that stood out to you? this spring and so far early on in the season there's one guy the Diamondbacks brought on out of nowhere I don't think he even really played spring with the team uh Devin Marrero a guy who probably nobody has heard of uh he played third base for them yesterday Jake Lamb uh the Diamondbacks normal everyday third baseman is on the DL right now uh so Devin Marrero got the start yesterday uh probably nobody's heard of him I don't think I'd even heard of him um, but he is a very interesting player because he's been a solid defender uh, in his few years in the major leagues. And on top of that, he crushes left-handed pitching. Uh, and I'll tell you, Tara, one of the biggest issues the Diamondbacks had last year was hitting uh, left-handed pitching. That was a, a big struggle for them. Uh, J.D. Martinez definitely uh, made that less of an issue when he joined the team. Um, but prior to that, hitting left-handed pitching was a big problem. And Devin Marrero... Uh, his overall numbers last season were not pretty, but against lefties, he was actually very good. Uh, so he's one of those under-the-radar guys, maybe Yoshihisa Hirano, uh, who I brought up before. Uh, they got him for two years and $6 million. It was a small little contract, but he's looked good so far. Uh, and that's kind of how the Diamondbacks have to operate. They're a relatively small market team, so it's going to be the little names uh, that are going to make the big difference for them in the long run. The Cardinals are very familiar with not hitting left-handed pitching very well. So uh, we're also hoping for a little bit of improvement in that area this season. Was there a big name that you had hoped the Diamondbacks would go out and get this year? I think it was J.D. Martinez. Uh, we were, uh, all of us really, were hoping throughout the entire offseason um, that this could actually happen. Uh, initially, when the Martinez move was made, everyone knew that it was a rental. Uh, this is going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, let's make our playoff run. That's going to be it. Uh, but as the offseason went along, the Red Sox and J.D. Martinez were at this odd standstill. 
nothing seemed to be happening. I think even the Cardinals uh, were mentioned as maybe being in the mix at one point. Uh, they went and got Marcelo Zuna, who I'm, I'm sure you guys are pretty happy about. Um, yeah. Um, but J.D. Martinez, uh, there were at least questions as to maybe whether this guy could return to the Diamondbacks after all. Uh, the Diamondbacks were talking uh, with Scott Boris, his agent, about maybe uh, a shorter-term contract at a high uh, average annual value. Maybe that would entice him so he could re-enter uh, the market in a year or two. Uh, just a really odd free agent market this offseason. Really, nobody did too well for themselves. It was weird. Uh, but J.D. Martinez was the one big name uh, that I think a lot of Diamondbacks fans wanted. Uh, Greg Holland, who, of course, went to the Cardinals. He's another guy that I've I heard mentions of at different points. Um, a, a solid, solid closer, uh, has a lot of experience. I think he would have been nice. But all in all, I think the Diamondbacks did pretty pretty well for themselves nonetheless. It was a weird offseason. And I think, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, it continued into literally opening day when all of a sudden they announced that they did, or, or they didn't announce the deal officially, but that they were close to a deal with Greg Holland. Um, just a strange series of events over the course of the offseason and, and not a lot of movement that led to some of those big name players um, either not ending up where you thought they would or ending up there very late. So yes, the Cardinals did uh, eventually get Greg Holland. We have yet to see him in a Cardinals jersey, but um, that is going to be a good thing at the back end of their bullpen, I think, especially after uh, the way Tuesday night's game ended for the Cardinals, which was not pretty uh, on back-to-back -back home runs for the Brewers to walk it off. So mm. looking forward to a little bit of help uh, in the back end of that <laughs> bullpen. But getting back to the way that the season started for the Diamondbacks this year, right off the bat, playing two of the teams that you had to deal with in the postseason last year, the Rockies and the Dodgers. And I don't know that this Dodgers series really went according to most people's plan as far as the 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 long game. What was it? Almost six hours of baseball. Yep. And uh, then two lefties hitting home runs off of Kershaw. Um, what have you seen out of the Diamondbacks in regular season play so far that you can take anything, as much as you can take away from five or six games? <laughs> what have you seen so far from these guys? Yeah, I think their rotation has looked pretty similar to last year. Uh, not everyone was perfect. Robbie Ray really struggled. He was one of their best starters last season. Uh, but Zach Godley was excellent yesterday. And I, I tweeted about this last night. You know, how ridiculous would it have sounded a year ago to say that Zach Godley outpitched Clayton Kershaw? I mean, heck, it even sounds ridiculous right now. Um, but but this is a guy who, as of a year ago, was in AAA with an ERA of around five. Nobody knew his name. Uh, and, and he was excellent for the team last year. And this season, uh, he seems to be only uh, about ready to continue that uh, with another phenomenal season. Seven innings, one run. He was great. Uh, I, think, I think the Diamondbacks are going to have a very good team just by virtue of their rotation. It's very hard to, uh, to pick on any holes uh, I think Taiwan Walker uh, looked maybe a little shaky in his one outing, but he still kept the team in the game. Uh, I think it was five innings, three runs. Granky looked pretty good uh, in his outing. So I, I think the Diamondbacks just have a very well-rounded rotation. Uh, and we're starting to see early on in 2018 that what we saw last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, Tara, if you've, if you've known any Diamondbacks fans at any point, uh, they will tell you that, that the breakout season doesn't mean anything uh, because <laughs> that we've seen this before. In 2007, the Diamondbacks came out of nowhere. Uh, they made it to the NLCS. And in 2008, they sucked. Uh, they were maybe maybe a game over 500, maybe two. Uh, they were not the same team. 
And then 2011, they were a great team. Uh, I believe they got knocked out in the NLDS. Uh, but the next year, they weren't the same team. And this is the first time uh, since the vintage Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson days of the Diamondbacks where they might actually be able to do this two years in a row. Uh, and 4-1, and and like you said, you can only take so much from five games. It's very early. Uh, but they have the makings of, of maybe putting together that kind of a season so far. Now, you brought up the pitching staff, and I want to talk a little bit more about that and a couple of those guys specifically. Um, but looking ahead, the matchups for this series should be Robbie Ray, as you mentioned, was very successful last year. Didn't get off to the greatest start this season, but there's a lot of talent there uh, against Michael Walker with a bit of an asterisk because as of recording this, we're, we're Wednesday afternoon, as of recording, there's rumor that Adam Wainwright, who will be eligible to come off the DL on Thursday, could try to make that opening day start at Bush Stadium. That It's just rumor at this point. There's been a lot of will he, won't he. So right now, it's scheduled to be Michael Waka in the home opener, but who knows who we'll actually see taking on Robbie Ray in that first game. Then it'll be Zach Grinke against, theoretically, Luke Weaver. But again, all of this sort of depends <laughs> on what happens with Adam Wainwright. And then the last game should be Taewon Walker uh, against Miles Michaelis. Now, there's not a lot of familiarity between these two teams and sort of the pitchers versus the hitters they'll be seeing, which is always intriguing to see sort of what the game plan is. Um, but I want to talk about Zach Grinke a little bit specifically, coming off of a bit of an injury in the spring. And I feel like he's sort of at that point in his career where he's been one of the best in baseball at times in his career. And then you kind of get to a point where you're like, how often can he repeat this? Is he going to mm -hmm. be like Zach Grinke, the guy that could have been a Cy Young pitcher? Or is he going to be Zach Grinke who struggled at, at some pretty significant times uh, over the course of the season. So where do you think Zach Grinke is, and is this a prime opportunity for him to sort of return to the glory days? Yeah, I think last season was big for Zach Grinke. Um, I think he had a three 320 ERA, won 17 games, looked a lot more like his Cy Young self than he did in 2016. Uh, I still remember uh, the, the very loud crack of the bat uh, over and over and over again in his opening day start against the Rockies, his first ever start as a Diamondback, he got completely hammered. Uh, it was demoralizing, especially for a fan base that, you know, we all knew we'd invested $206 million uh, into this guy. I think he still remains uh, the highest annually paid player in all of baseball. Um, so he, he was paid big money. Uh, and the Diamondbacks expect big things from him. Uh, in his first start, he was he was pretty good, five and two-thirds innings. Not maybe the length that you'd like to see from your ace, um, but he had nine strikeouts and no walks, so that was uh, that was a really good sign from him. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't think uh, Zach Greinke is not in the elite uh, ace core of Major League Baseball for me. He's not a Scherzer. He's not a Kershaw. Uh, he's not a Sale. He's not a Kluber. Uh, he's probably not even, you know, maybe a Syndergaard or maybe some lower tier guys. Uh, but he is still a very good starting pitcher uh, from everything we've seen. And and from the, a Diamondbacks fan perspective, I think all of us are just kind of holding our breath, hoping that it stays that way. Uh, because 2016 was ugly, and, and I don't think any of us want to see him go through that again. 
when it goes bad, it can go bad in a hurry. And uh, right. Cardinals fans know that all too well. We've sort of been playing the same game with Adam Wainwright the last couple of years, mm. dealing with health issues, dealing with just the age factor and, and wondering what he has left. So there's a lot of intrigue as far as he's concerned, whether he makes Thursday's start or not, just to see what he has to bring to the table, especially when the Cardinals then got a phenomenal start um, on Tuesday from the youngster Jack Flaherty, who is up in place of Adam Wainwright at the moment. So yes, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, it's always a challenge, I think, to sort of figure out how to predict a season for a guy at that point in their career. Um, but man, the one thing that I think guys like Adam Wainwright and Zach Grinke have going for them is just the experience. They've been there, they've right. done it all, they've seen it all, and they've been able to maintain their career for so long that you know they know how to make the adjustments, even if it doesn't always show up right away. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one thing that Granke has, like you said, is experience, and he has a heck of a lot of it. Uh, he's 34 years old. He's not new to this game. Neither is Adam Wainwright. And I think that's what gave a lot of people hope uh, last offseason when everyone was wondering, you know, did the Diamondbacks just make the biggest overpay uh, in baseball history? Is this, is this really going to be that bad? Because uh, he had an ERA of like four and a half, and, and you would expect maybe it was only going to get worse. Uh, but what a lot of analysts were talking about is Zach Grunke is a very smart pitcher. Uh, he's one of the most awkward interviews uh, in baseball. He's he's uh, has an interesting vibe about him as a person. Um, but deep down, he he knows his baseball. He's a very smart guy. He knows how to make adjustments. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. Uh, he communicated that in spring training, how every year he comes back and he uh, and he doesn't know if he has it. He doesn't know if he's still going to be Zach Granke. Um, but I think what what keeps Zach Granke going is uh, just the baseball smarts that he has. And I, I think Adam Wainwright has probably something similar going for him. He still has the curveball. Uh, maybe the velocity is is lower than it used to be, like it is with Granke. Um, but these are guys who have staying power in the big leagues just because uh, they know their baseball, uh, they're smart, and they know how to make the adjustments that they need to make. I don't think Adam Wainwright has any shortage of confidence, though. So that right. might be a might right. be a differentiating factor there. I think he's going to be eighty and still think that he can be the ace of some <laughs> team somewhere. Um, and I I totally respect that in in him. I think that it's, um, you know, it's it's admirable when you uh, put yourself through that much and and push yourself to that level. Uh, I mentioned that there were a couple of left-handed hitters that hit home runs off of Kershaw uh, in the game against the Dodgers, one of them being Daniel Descalso, who is a bit of a mm. living legend for Cardinals <laughs> fans. Um, and there are some some familiar faces for Cardinals fans. Uh, Descalso, Fernando Salas, who I didn't even realize was going to be on a major league roster this year. Yeah, neither uh, did we. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably fair. Uh, David Peralta, who came up in the Cardinals organization, and right. Jeremy Hazelbaker, who's uh, not on the active roster, but another guy that the Cardinals are very familiar with. And then, of course, Shelby Miller, who is still recovering from Tommy John's surgery last year, but someone that Cardinals fans at one point were very excited about. We, we saw the potential in who Shelby Miller could be. He was one of those young, up-and-coming superstars in the Cardinals organization. Tell me where Shelby Miller is in his recovery, what you expect to see from him, and if he fits back into this rotation whenever he does come back this year. Yeah, I think it's a great question. The Diamondbacks have their five starters, uh, and a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen when he comes back. Uh, I believe June uh, is the tentative uh, time period where they expect him to return from uh, from Tommy John surgery. Uh, but I will tell you that last season, Shelby Miller was a different pitcher. 
uh, in 2016, complete disaster. Uh, one of the hardest pitchers to watch in all of baseball, probably. He was not the same guy that he was uh, with the Cardinals or even with the Braves. Uh, just for some reason, something was not the same with Shelby Miller uh, in his first season back. But last year, uh, this guy was throwing fire. Uh, he he was hitting 99 miles per hour uh, on the radar gun in, so, in some of his spring training outings. And I think he carried that uh, a similar velocity into the regular season. Uh, you have to wonder, maybe that's what caused... Uh, him needing Tommy John surgeries, he was, you know, maybe trying to overthrow himself uh, out of the slump that he was in. Um, but I, I think the Diamondbacks would be most likely to maybe start him uh, in the bullpen, uh, maybe get him some work and build him up. Uh, and then if they ever needed it, you know, we all know you're not going to have the same five starters for the whole season. Uh, it's the dream, but it never happens. And, and I think Shelby Miller would probably be at the forefront of the guys the Diamondbacks would trust. Uh, with with maybe replacing one of their starters if they should have an injury or, or something along those lines. As uh, Jamal Zalek, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, likes to say, these things tend to work themselves out. <laughs> so you can try to come up with all the scenarios that might happen, but more often than not, it works itself out, um, right. whether it's because of an injury or just because of someone not playing to their potential. But Shelby is one of those guys that I think is very exciting when he's pitching well, but when he's not, you're right, it is hard to watch and... Uh, <laughs> That's that's not what Diamondbacks fans want from Shelby Miller or anyone really. I think when when Shelby was in that trade for Jason Hayward uh, with the Braves, it was hard for a lot of Cardinals fans to let go of what could be with Shelby Miller. So I think uh, mm. from a distance, we're all really pulling for Shelby Miller to regain some of that form and, and be able to be successful, even if it's not in St. Louis. One more guy that I wanted to ask you about, just because I feel like he's one of the most interesting players to talk about, uh, and, and the way that his role has developed is Archie Bradley. Um, over the course of last season, going into this season, sort of that that weird decision to be made about who's the closer and, and what you want that role to look like, right? There's this Andrew Miller thing that's going on, trying to use your best reliever in certain situations that might not be the ninth inning. Um, so looking at the way that Archie Bradley has sort of turned into this super reliever, if you will, what does that bring to the stability of a Diamondbacks bullpen when you have a solid core of starters and then you bring in a guy to be the ninth inning guy, and then you have someone like Bradley who can be so dynamic. I think Archie Bradley's the reason that the Diamondbacks won a lot of games last year uh, because, you know, bases loaded, nobody out, you're in a pickle in the seventh or eighth inning. Archie Bradley was their man, uh, and, and he legitimately did that on a regular basis. He would come in in ridiculous situations uh, where there seemed like there was no hope, and he would find a way to get out of it. Uh, and I'm really glad, personally, that the Diamondbacks didn't use him in a closer role uh, this season. That's what a lot of people expected. Uh, you know, Fernando Rodney's moving on. They didn't sign him back, so it's Archie Bradley's turn for the closer role. Um, but I, I personally, throughout the entire offseason, thought uh, that Archie Bradley was so good in that seventh, eighth inning role last season. Uh, there's no reason to take him out of that role. Uh, and fortunately, Brad Boxberger, uh, after some, some early injuries in spring, was able to step up. Uh, and show that he had what it took uh, to be the closer. He's only had one save opportunity so far, so we haven't seen much from him. Um, but Archie Bradley in that seventh, eighth inning role, I think is about as effective as any relief pitcher uh, in baseball. It's it's kind of a trend that we've started to see develop. And I think uh, Andrew Miller uh, was probably the first guy who, who uh, 
who really had this role uh, and whose team really embraced uh, a player in that role. Uh, and, and now the Diamondbacks are jumping on the train, and it has worked very well uh, with Archie Bradley. Speaking from experience, the Andrew Miller-esque role only works if you actually have a closer who can get through the ninth inning. Right, Because exactly. the Cardinals tried to do that last year with Trevor Rosenthal when Sung Wan Oh was their closer, and then Sung Wan Oh couldn't get anybody out. So hmm. when that happens, it changes the plan entirely. <laughs> but it is, it is a good idea in theory, and it's nice when you have someone like Bradley who has... Uh, the experience of being able to go multiple innings if necessary, come into big situations and, and not be daunted by that. So, uh, mm. again, I think he's he's fascinating in the way that he's sort of developed into this role. And having someone like that is a tremendous asset for a bullpen that's already pretty strong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Archie Bradley, I, a lot of people attribute it to the beard. Uh, he, he, brought, <laughs> he brought that out for the first time last season. Um, and suddenly he was a different pitcher. Uh, he's, he's kind of a, a long story uh, because he was drafted in the first round. Uh, I think back in 2011, he was uh, ranked, I believe, the number one pitching prospect in baseball at one point. This was as a starter. Uh, he was expected to be a phenomenal starting pitcher. He was expected to be their ace for years to come. Uh, and it just never panned out. He just wasn't the same pitcher uh, as of, I think it was 2014, was kind of where Archie Bradley, uh, he went through some elbow injuries in the minors. Uh, he really struggled to uh, to maintain the stuff that he'd had before. His velocity was dipping. Uh, his breaking pitches weren't as effective. And suddenly they moved him to the bullpen and all of that came rushing back. Uh, and I think it's been hard for him because he still views himself as that starter. Uh, he, he was asked that many times over the offseason, you know, do you want to start again? And his answer was always a resounding yes. He doesn't view this as a long-term thing. But for the Diamondbacks, it's very hard to uh, to try to use him in any other role because he was legitimately probably the best in baseball at what he did last year. Well, if it doesn't work out, Fernando Salas has some experience as a closer. So there's always that as a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Is there any one particular person that you're looking for um, to either get it going or to continue the trend or to try to prove something in this next weekend? I think Paul Goldschmidt, uh, strangely enough, has been off to a very <laughs> slow start. Uh, he's one for 14, I believe, so far, which uh, is not characteristic of Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, so I think he's going to be a guy to watch for me this weekend. Uh, I would like to see Robbie Ray uh, bounce back in his start. Uh, it was a little concerning because it wasn't just Robbie Ray, you know, having a bad outing. Uh, his velocity was significantly lower than it normally is. He was sitting 91 or 92 with his fastball. Um, normally, he's like a 94, 95, 96 guy, and that's what makes him so effective. Uh, so there's a little concern there with Robbie Ray. Uh, I would really like to see him at least uh, show some signs of, of being the pitcher he was last season. Uh, Goldschmidt is another guy, like I mentioned. Maybe uh, Cattell Marte. Uh, would be another name that comes to mind after the after signing the big contract. Some people wondered, uh, you know, maybe the the pressure is getting to him. He was hitless in his first few games. Uh, he had a couple triples in the game the other day, so it's nothing I'm too concerned about. Uh, but the Diamondbacks without Jake Lamb uh, and without Steven Souza, both guys are on the DL. Uh, they need guys like Marte to step up uh, and fill that void. So hopefully, uh, for Diamondbacks fans at least, that's what we see this weekend. Well, Jesse, thanks so much. Uh, opening weekend is always pretty special in St. Louis. 
I actually grew up in the Mountain West, so as a Utah native, I was sort of in between Diamondbacks and Rockies territory. So I always have a little bit of a soft spot for those two teams when uh, anyone other than the Cardinals is involved. So if someone has to come in and be uh, the opponent on opening day, I'm all right with it being the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I, I can get behind that, Tara. That sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. Well, I enjoy your podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. Diamondbacks fans need to make sure you're listening to it. The Rattle AZ. I will make sure that is all linked in the post when this goes up. Um, and we will uh, we'll have to chat again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tara. Thanks again to Jesse for joining me today. And hopefully this Arizona Diamondbacks series gives the Cardinals an opportunity to show their home fans the offense that we saw glimpses of in the first week. And some of the pitching that really needs to step up and be reliable going into the NL Central battle. We'll see all of that and more coming up this weekend. And don't forget to check back here for the next series preview coming up, hopefully not buried in snow. <laughs>